We're going to stay in the theme of dreaming. Um, Sometimes, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes dreams can be frustrating, can't they? Yeah. Trying to live out God's purpose for your life. And when I... When I talk to you this morning, I want you to know that I'm coming at this in the context. I found out in my life there's dreams. Um, sometimes my dream and God's dream for me don't always line up. Anybody else experience that? And so, um, so what I'm what we're doing here at the beginning of the year is we're fasting and praying in an effort to cause those things to align. You following me? Because frustration could come in your life when God's purpose and plan for you that you heard uh, Jack talk about last week, God's purpose, plan, and destiny for your life is, is, the, is his perfect will for you. And then there's this other thing that I want, that, that I want to chase. And it's not, it's not that God's plan for you is, all, is awful and you're never going to have fun and God doesn't want you to have a nice car and all that. That's not what that is. But I do have the potential to chase things that he doesn't want me to chase. Amen? So we're going to talk about Elijah here. Elijah is not dreaming. He's more following the will of God. So my word to you this morning is I want your dreams to line up with the will of God. That's how to ensure they come true. Amen? That's how to get the most fulfillment out of life. That's how to, that's how to get to the end and go, man, I, like I lived a full life. Because I've chased some other things and you get to the end of them and there's regrets at the end. Anybody else chase anything like that? But there is no sorrow at the end of God's will. Amen? So we're going to look at a little portion of the life of Elijah and see some things that could kill a dream if we're not careful. So we're going we're gonna to read from uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. Elijah did some unbelievable things, but he also had some unbelievable people chasing him. And yeah, the presence of God did miracles in Elijah's life. But there was a couple people that were equally as evil chasing him down. So we're going to read through this section. 1 Kings chapter 19. And see some cautionary things this morning. If we're going to do God's will, if his dream is going to become our dream. And we're going to fulfill the call of God on our lives. Some cautionary things I want you to know. Why don't you stand to your feet in honor of reading the word. 1 Kings chapter 19. Starting in verse 1, say amen if you're ready. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. That was a long sentence to say, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow morning. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough. Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram, also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah to precede you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death all who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha, and Elisha will put to death all who escape the sword of Jehu. Verse 18, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you that your will for us is not a mystery. Lord, you've given us your word. You've You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us Jesus as a model. You've given us all we need to navigate this life and do your will. Or we pray today that it would be a day that would be, that it would codify it. It would make it crystal clear today, Lord. Direct our steps. Lord, put dreams in our hearts that come from you, Lord. Put desires in our lives that come from you and give us the strength and will to chase them to the end of our days. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Elijah is extremely unique among the prophets. He is, um, He's doing miracles. God is performing miracles through Elijah. In chapter 17 of 1 Kings, he pronounces a drought over Israel. There's a really wicked king in Israel at this time, Ahab. But the only thing worse than a wicked king is even a more wicked queen. And his wife was named Jezebel. Now, have any of you ever heard anybody uh, use the term Jezebel spirit or anything like that. Well, this is where it came from. 
And this woman was unique in her ability to be evil. She was a worshiper of the pagan god Baal. And there had been a, a move under their leadership for all the Israelites, all of Israel to worship Baal. Well, as you can imagine, this was not, this was not pleasing to God. And Elijah was pronouncing a drought in chapter 17. By the way, if you pronounce a drought, the prophet is not immune to the drought. The prophet is walking through the same drought everybody else is walking through. So he goes by a stream and the ravens feed him, miraculous uh, provision from God. Then he goes to a town called Zarephath and a widow who has nothing left ends up feeding him. You can read all that in chapter 17. Later on in that chapter, he ends up healing the widow's son who raises him from the dead who died. I mean, these are unbelievable, miraculous things that are happening. Chapter 18, Elijah meets with Ahab and tells him um, to come with false prophets to Mount Carmel. It's going to be a showdown. And so all the 450 prophets of Baal and a whole ton of other prophets show up. And there's a showdown on this mountain about whose God is real. And the prophets of Baal dance around and dance around, beat themselves and dance around and dance around. And Elijah mocks them and nothing happens. Elijah builds an altar with 12 stones and puts a sacrifice on it. And they dig a, dig a trench around and fill it up with water, coat the, all the uh, wood with water, coat everything up. And he prays and God rains down fire from heaven, burns it all up. At the end of the story, they chase down the prophets of Baal and kill all of them. Now, I don't know about you, this is a pretty good highlight reel, isn't it? Like, I mean, it sounds like Elijah's winning in life. He is, what he says happens. Think about that. It's going to be a drought. There's a drought. He pronounces there's going to be, after three, he pronounces there's going to be rain, and there's rain. He, he, he sets up a cage match with 450 prophets of Baal, and he kills them all. That looks pretty successful to me. Doesn't it to you? That looks really successful to me. It's like, man, there's not too many pastors that can have that, that, can have that uh, resume. Hey, what makes you think you fit our church? I kill every false prophet. Yeah. <laughs> Just kind of, it's a gift of mine God gave me. I can, <laughs> ravens feed me. I don't even need an offering. Like, they'll just show up. I just get food. I mean, it's successful on every level. And yet, and yet we find Elijah right after that, at the beginning of chapter 19, Ahab goes back to his wife Jezebel and he tells her everything that happened on Mount Carmel with all the prophets. And she makes a statement, he'll be dead tomorrow. And she sends word to Elijah Make sure he understands this. Because all of a sudden, here's what's, can I give you a little insight into, into the tough spot Jezebel's in now? Because she's a proponent of this God, Baal. And now Elijah set up this thing where, where the prophet of Baal has been totally discredited. Totally discredited. All of them, all the prophets have been slaughtered. 
There was, there was no result from their prayer. There was no fire from heaven. There was nothing. And then Elijah prays, fire falls out from heaven. The, the sacrifice is consumed, and it is obvious now to people. So now Jezebel has to do something. She can't have a prophet living in her midst in, in this. In, she can't have him wandering around in the area telling people, hey, listen, we killed all the prophets of Baal. So even if he doesn't die, this is enough, she believes, to run him off. I'll just threaten him. If you stick around here, man, be it ever so severely dealt with me if you're not dead by tomorrow morning. And you would kind of think after, after that type of success, Elijah would just brush it off. You would kind of think after that type of, after that track record, he could just Fluff it off and be like, oh, whatever. The Bible says that he um, makes about a 17-mile trek and um, leaves his servant in a town and goes off without him, lays down under what's called a broom bush, which is just a, just a shrub that grows in that area that provides some shade. He lays down under it. And he, and he just says, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to die. The story goes that, that in that moment, God wakes him, an angel wakes him up and says, eat. And he looks around and there's food there for him. So he eats a little bit, drinks a little bit, and he goes back to sleep. Wakes him up again. Hey, you need to eat. The journey is too much for you. So he eats again, drinks again, and then he gets up 40 days and 40 nights. It's about 100 miles. He walks. Walks up to a cave. God puts him in a cave, and God's presence ends up going by him and saying, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then we get the idea of what's going on in his mind. He says, hey, listen, I've been very zealous for for your stuff. I'm the only one doing this. I'm the only one doing this. The whole country is turned against you. I'm the only one left. He says, there's nobody else left to, for anything. I'm it. Anybody ever felt that way? Anybody ever felt that way in your family? Anybody felt that way in your job? He says, I'm the only one left. I've been zealous for you this whole time. Everybody else rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I'm tired. So a couple things I want to point out to you this morning. A couple things I want to point out to you. Because if you're going to chase a dream God put in you, you have to realize that there are going to be some successful times in your life. Somebody say Amen. Amen. God's going to give you all kinds of money and health and wealth. and You know, that's not true. Sometimes you're going to get provision where it seems like, oh, this is unbelievable. But sometimes you won't. There's going to be mountaintop experiences and there's going to be valley experiences. Amen. Come on, some of you live long enough to experience both. Help me out. Amen. The problem with our modern day churches, I don't think 
very far separated from Elijah is sometimes we can get used to success all the time. We can say, oh, look, look what God is doing. It's so, it's so amazing. And we can get kind of, you know, like a coffee addiction to it. And, and, we like, and we're like, oh, man, God has been blessing me. 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 Look out. He advanced me in my job, and he advanced me in my career. And look, we got a bigger house, and we got all this stuff, and I'm healthy, and, I'm, and this is all great, and I'm doing his will. And, I'm, and I'm, man, it's just I can sense the presence of God when I wake up in the morning, and it just feels like he's just, it feels like he's holding my hand, guiding me around. It just is amazing. I called down fire yesterday, burned the cat up. This was really good. And sometimes what we do is the crisis of faith is self-inflicted because they have wrong expectations. Because we have the expectation, I come to Christ, he fixes everything, and he keeps me up on the mountaintop, and everything is going to be a win from here on out. And then I ended up getting sick. Then I ended up having difficulties in my marriage and I ended up having difficulties in my job. Then the economy collapsed and my job went away. And we go, Lord, what happened? Expectations are a big deal. So let, let me say this. I've learned over the years to adjust my expectations. And here's, here's what I want to leave you with. If you're going to chase a dream, here's what I want to, here's what I want to impart to you this morning. I don't have the expectation that everything will be a mountaintop experience, but I have the expectation that God will be with me in every experience. Amen? Well, that's two totally different things. Now, no matter what my experience is, I can have confidence because what? He's with me. Not because of actually what I'm experiencing, because listen to me, we are living in a sinful and fallen world. There happened to be a king and a queen who had rejected God in everything about him and had picked up the worship of Baal. And Elijah was now the guy who was going to confront that. That was the calling of God on his life. There's no part about that was going to be easy. So I have to adjust my expectations. There is some part of doing the will of God that is going to be difficult. Amen? Listen to me, teenager. If you're in school right now, part... There's a part of following the call of God in your life that will be difficult in this culture. Not everything, not everything that our friends are doing lines up with God's will. Not every, we have to, we have to go, hey, at some point in time, there's just certain things I can't participate in. I'm not saying don't be cool. I'm saying don't participate and be cool at the same time. I remember telling our kids growing up, you know, because you'd say, hey, you can't, you can't do that. And they'd say, why? And we started saying, listen, we're going to follow the will of God in our life. We believe the Bible spells out some things for us. And so as long as you're a part of this family, I mean, you want to make sure it's permanent. As long as you're a part of this family, we're gonna, there's some things we're going to do differently. There's some things we're going to do differently. We didn't have to cast discouragement on their friends. 
Come on, parents. We didn't have to cast disparagement on their friends' families. We just said, we're just gonna, there's some things the Jones family is going to do different. And, and so when we're going to try to line up with God's word as much as we can. And, and at times, that's going to look different from what some of your friends are going to do, what some of your friends' family is going to do. But we had to give our kids those expectations. Amen? Adults, we have to have that, we have to have real expectations about our lives. It's not all up here. It's not all up here all the time. And so we can read the life of Elijah and go, look at this, man. This is unbelievable. You just slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal. God proved himself through you. This is unbelievable. And yet, this one queen says, okay, it's over. I put out a hit on you. Our expectations are important. My expectation now is, God, not that I won't have difficulty in life, not that I won't have hard times in life, but God, I have a a deep down expectation that every difficulty I walk through, you will be right there with me. So I'm not looking forward to difficulty, but I'm not afraid of it either. Amen? That's totally different. That's totally different than what our society is, is teaching. Now. Oh, we got to be so upset about what's getting ready to come. No, 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 no. The God of peace is with me. And he proves it to Elijah. Elijah leaves his servant, walks another day's journey, and lies under a bush. And he just says, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Even in the middle of him saying, I'm done. God was with him. Anybody ever experienced that? Even in the middle of not being able to pick yourself up off the ground, God was with you. Even in the middle of Elijah going, I don't know why, Lord, I've worked so hard for you. I've done everything you've asked me to do, and I thought I did it well. The whole country has turned against you. And here I am all by myself. I'm going to just lay under this tree and die now. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And guess what? An angel goes, Elijah, you're not done yet. Get up and eat. Get up and eat. The second thing I want you to know, as much as you have to adjust your expectations to understand that there will be green pastures and there will be valleys of shadow of death that God never intended for you to do this alone. Look at your neighbor and say, you're supposed to be with me. Look at him, even if you don't know him. Say, we're together now. You're supposed to be with me. I think it was easier for Elijah to lay under the bush because he left his servant back. Do you know that one of the most devastating things that can happen to us now is loneliness. We have just walked through one of the most transformative times in in world history. You do realize that, don't you? The coronavirus put us by ourselves with ourselves. Think about it. It put us by ourselves, with ourselves. 
and it isolated us in a moment of fear. There's a thing out there that we can't control. We can't, we can't stop it. We can't, we can't adjust it. It just seems like it, was, it did what it did. And, and the answer to that was to isolate ourselves. I'm not arguing with whether it was right or wrong. That was what we did. Isolate ourselves in the moment. And so, so now we're alone in a moment where we're unsure of, and now we don't know what to do. So we're alone by ourselves with ourselves. And what we had told ourselves up to that point in time in life, what we believed up to that point in time, it mattered. It really mattered. Because now, now we found ourselves by ourselves for long periods of time. Or with your family, which could have been just as bad. In a crowd this size, I'm sure there's still some people who feel alone in here. Beth and I were in a, uh, at an event this past week where a guy said that pre-COVID pandemic, young people, children, teenagers were susceptible, about 23, 25% were susceptible to anxiety. Post-COVID, that number's up in the 60s. 60% of our teenagers growing up right now are struggling with anxiety because of the sense of being alone. If you're going to chase the will of God for your life, he never meant for you to do it in isolation. Come on. He never meant for you to feel alone. He never meant for you to do it in isolation. Elijah lays down under a bush believing he's all alone and isolated in his life. There's nobody else that can help me. There's nobody else. It's all over. I'm done. And God wakes him up and says, hey, you're not alone. I don't know why God waited to the end of the story to tell him there's actually 7,000 people who have not bowed down to Baal. Now, it's one thing to feel alone. It's one thing to know you've got 7,000 people with you. Amen? The irony is that we can be isolated with 7,000 people who believe the same thing. So a lot of this comes down to, Lord, help me see who's with me. Help me see and understand who's with me. And can I tell you this? That's a hard thing for us to do sometimes. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying this is one prayer. Lord, help me see who's with me. But under a bush, God tells Elijah, hey, listen, wake up. I'm going to sustain you, and I need you to understand something. You're going to find out you're not alone. You're going to find out you're not alone. So if you've crawled under a bush this morning and you're like, Lord, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can do this anymore. You have the benefit of sitting in a place right now that Elijah didn't have. God had to tell him there were 7,000 people. Now, I know this church ain't that big, so don't start making comparisons. Look around. Look around. If you're not convinced, come back to second service. Maybe there's some people that you'll like in there. 
God never intended us to be alone. He said, he talks about us being together over and over again, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he'd be in the midst. It was like he set on purpose for us to be in relationship with each other. But here's what can happen. Here's what can happen. Your, your expectations are off a little bit. You think, man, God's blessing, God's blessing, God's blessing. And then the whole thing kind of comes down and you you weren't expecting it. Then the next thing you know, you find yourself under a bush and you feel like you're all alone. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you're not. And that's something that we have to burn in our minds because Satan will try to tell us over and over and over again, you're alone. There's nobody for you. There's nobody with you. Come on. He does it to me all the time. Nobody believes what you say. Nobody. And I'm going, "Uh I can't believe that. I can't believe it. And so if you're wrestling with that lie this morning, if you're wrestling with it and you woke up this morning going, I don't even know if I should go to church. You just kick the devil in the teeth on your way out the door and you come anyway. Amen? You pick up the phone anyway. You text somebody anyway. And listen, if you're on the mountaintop this morning, get your phone out and text somebody who's not. Go drop in. You remember when we just used to show up to people's houses? That was so 2019. Remember when you just started, hey, man, I was just in the area. I thought I'd stop by and see you. How did that become taboo? I hadn't heard from you lately. I thought I'd come and check. God didn't mean for you to lay under a bush by yourself. Church, listen to me. If there's people laying under bushes, it's our job. Hey, wake up. Wake up. We're here for you. So we have to adjust our expectations. We have to understand that he did not create us to do it alone. Listen to me, introverts. I know there's some of you out there that love to be alone, but you can't be alone all the time. You can't be alone all the time. We, God created us for community. Amen? God had to remind Elijah. He had to show him, you're not the only one doing this. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. This is Moses' sermon to the Israelites, his last sermon to them. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you, and he will not leave you or forsake you. So here's what I have to remind myself if the phone doesn't ring. If there's nobody to encourage me, here's what I have to remind myself. He's with me. He's with me. He is with me. Say it out loud. Say, he's with me. He's with me. Here's another dream killer. Believing it's over. I have this little thing. I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but. I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday who has a terminal cancer diagnosis. And he said, um, his mindset is basically as long as God gives me breath, it's not over. As long as he gives me breath, it's not over. 
and I was encouraging him. And I just have this thing in the back of my mind that like, if you're here, God has purpose for your life. There's still a dream to chase. Amen? If you're here, there's still a purpose for your life. There's still a dream to chase. Elijah had gotten to the point where he's laying in a bush going, I'm done. I'm done. You know what? When you pray the Lord's will, when you pray the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What does it say? Anybody help me out with that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can we pray that prayer and then lay under a bush and say, God, I'm done? Have you ever considered that? How can I pray one prayer, Lord, your will be done in my life, not mine, your will be done. And then when something goes wrong, stomp off on the side and go, I'm done. No, no, no. No, even in those moments, I say, your will be done, Lord. Lord, you get to determine this. You get to decide when it's over. And evidently, I'm still breathing. Evidently, there's still purpose in my life. Evidently, it's, there's still something for me to chase. Evidently, there's still something for me to accomplish in you. So, so I'm tired, but I'm not done. There's two different things there. Two different things there. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm tired, I'm not done. I'm tired, but I'm not done. There's two different things there. Listen, it is okay for a Christian to be tired. Amen? None of us are superheroes, and all of us need rejuvenation sometimes. Some of you are tired because you don't do anything. Some of you are tired because you do too much. That'll sink in after a little bit. Doing nothing will make you tired, and doing too much will make you tired. So you could be lazy or you could be a superhero and end up in the same spot. The issue is this, is that he's the one that can rejuvenate us. So if you crawled under a bush, look for the food. Don't look to die. If you crawled under the bush to get away from the sun because you're tired, go, God, Under this bush, you will rejuvenate me. You will sustain me. You will give me the sustenance I need to keep going. Don't say, I'm done. Come on, somebody in here needed to hear that this morning. Don't give up. Don't stop chasing. Don't stop. Don't give up on the dream God put in you. If you're tired, that's a thing people do. That's a, that's, that happens with humans. We get tired. Amen? But the beautiful thing is, a tired Elijah gets food. God sustains him. A tired Elijah crawls under the bush. He tries to quit and God says, I'm not done with you yet. Here's some food. Because the journey that's coming up will require you to have strength. Think about that. I don't care what phase of life you are in right now. If you feel tired, God wants to strengthen you for what is to come. Amen? It's not over. We get to learn from Elijah. It's not over. I'm not saying you don't need to crawl under a bush every now and then, but it's for a different purpose than Elijah. You may need to get away from the sun and get some food. That's good. Don't lay down and say, I quit. Crawl under the bush and say, where's the food? 
crawl under the bush and say, where's the food? There are seasons in your life where you need to stop walking, get under a bush, and eat. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's never a season in your life where you need to crawl under the bush and quit. That's two different things. I want to live a life where I'm under the, uh, I may be under the, Beth has seen me under the bush at times. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only one in me. I guess I better eat something. But in the back of my mind, I keep thinking, God, I'm not, I can't be done. I can't be done. There's more in me, Lord. Put more in me. Give me something to, I need something to eat. I'm spiritually hangry right now. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm, I'm like, give me something to eat, Lord. I need, to, I need to get something to eat. And God knows what you need. God knows what you need. Beth and I were able to go to a thing at the beginning of the week. And both of us came out of this meeting we were in. We were driving down the road talking to each other. And we said, we needed that. Felt like the beginning of the week, we're crawled under a bush, got some shade, and God fed us. That's what it felt like. Because I was hangry before that, wasn't I? I'm like the Incredible Hog. You won't like me when I'm angry. I don't turn green, but we can't. Believe it's over. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. and Go to the desert of Damascus. This is towards the end of the story. God shows him his presence. God, God, God supplies for him, shows him his presence. And then he says, you're not done, Elijah. You're not done. There's still things for you to do. Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, I want you to anoint this guy as king. I want you to anoint Jehu, son of um, Nimshi, king over Israel, I want you to anoint Elisha, your successor. And then he says this, listen. These people that come after you will handle it. All right. I'm going to talk about some for the next minute, and then we're going to wrap it up. If you're... Um, if you're middle-aged or older in here, I want you to start thinking about something. You're not done until you've left it to somebody. I need you to think about it like that. You're not done until you've left it to somebody. This is what God tells Elijah. He doesn't tell him, hey, I need you to go kill some more prophets. I need you to go do, I need you to go do this and do this. No, he says, I need you to leave this to somebody else. He says, I need you to anoint three more people. One of them is going to be your successor. And I need you to be intentional about it. Go seek them out and anoint them and give them the reins. And here's what, here's what we have to understand This is not a singular gospel that saves us and we just enjoy it and we get to inherit eternal life and this is just our thing. No, 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 no. No, God is telling us we're not done unless we're passing it on. If you have something to leave your children and your grandchildren, you're not done yet. If you're middle-aged here and you've got teenagers, think about leaving them something, not the car. 
God is not finished with you until you've been able to impart to them something. He's like, Elijah, I've given you the ability to do this. Now you go impart it to others. Especially you read the story of him imparting his spirit to Elisha. He wasn't done yet. There were still things for him to do. And the the beauty of a church like this, the beauty of a church that has a wide age demographic is this. There's always people coming up and there's always people imparting. And let me tell you something. If you're on the latter end of that, God is not done with you until you've left something. Amen? Until you've, until you've laid your hands on somebody and said, this is what I have for you. Think about it that way. God has put something in you to leave us. God has put something in me to leave them. He wasn't done yet. So this dream God gives us, we chase it all the way to the end. We chase it all the way. Get the right expectations. Lord, I know there's going to be good days and bad days. I know I'm going to get good reports and bad reports. I know, Lord. In the middle of all this thing, I know that there's going to be days I'm going to be on the top of the mountain shouting and screaming, and I'm going to be a prophet killing machine. In the Old Testament sense. And Lord, I proclaim today that I'm not alone. There's more people for me that I, even, that I can even see. I'm not alone. Come on, someone, somebody needs to tell themselves in here that right now I am not alone. You're sitting in this service right now with a couple hundred people feeling alone, and you're not. He's with you, and we are for you. Amen? And then I want to tell you that last thing. You're not done. You're not done. You've got something to leave somebody else. Dad, you got something to leave your kids still. Mom, you have something to leave your kids. School teacher, there's something to leave the kids. You're not done yet. Grandparents, there's something to leave. You're not done yet. It's a beautiful thing. God doesn't say, okay, you reached this age. Now you're done. Just wither up and go away. All the way to the end. Amen? All the way to the end. That's the commitment that I want to make in my life. Lord, hard all the way to the end. Lord, when I get tired, you'll feed me. Lord, when I feel alone, you'll be with me. Lord, Lord, when I feel like I'm done, there's still more that you'll give me. Chase his dream all the way to the end. Come on, stand to your feet. My prayer is that maybe somebody this morning will keep going. Know that there's a church behind you. We're praying for you. We want to help you walk this journey. We want to help you. If you can't walk it, we want to drag you through it. We want you to get there. We want you to, we want you to impart what you have. We want you to, we want you to chase the dream that God gave you. And I want to pray that over you this morning. If you're feeling isolated, I want, to, I want to pray that the God of all creation would wrap his arms around you this morning. You'd feel his presence. And he'd confirm to you today that you're not alone. If you've had 
if you've had expectations out of whack and you don't know why it's going so bad, I pray that the God of peace would wrap his arms around you and show you that, that he's got you, that, that you're, not, you're not sideways, that he's walking you through this. He's directing your steps. If you feel like you're done, I'm praying that God would show you the glorious plan he has for the rest of your life. So Father, we're praying that way this morning. God, would your peace come down? Would your presence come down this morning, Lord? Lord, would your, would your power, would your restorative power come down? Give us strength for the journey. Lord, encourage us today. Lord, I pray that maybe for the first time somebody would reach out to you today and you touch them. They'd know you this morning as their Savior. They'd know you as their healer. They'd know you as their their redeemer, Lord, today. Lord, we pray that you do the work in us. Do the work in us, Lord. This week, I pray, Lord, that we'd wake up rejuvenated, Lord. We'd wake up in your presence, Lord. We'd wake up with a purpose, with a dream to chase. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Could you say amen, church? Come on, he's been good to us this morning, amen? Come on, give him a shout of praise. Encourage each other. No one walks alone. No one walks alone. Walk with somebody this week.